0: Morning. What a beautiful song. He'll still be there. Amen? Amen. Thank you, four of you, for replying. I know the rest of you are full of joy, also. Well, we pretty much had church so far. We had a message. We had a song. Maybe we should just call it quits. I'm almost afraid to say. How many raise your hand? Who want to call it quits? But uh, we'll try and be brief, which I willingly admit is not a Murray trait, but we'll give it a try. Let's just take a moment and pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you as always for you and your son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, first and foremost. We thank you, Father, for loving us. For we were the unlovable. We thank you for redeeming us. Though we weren't worthy of being redeemed. We thank you for the future we have. That is so wonderful. We pray now as we look at your word this morning that you would open our hearts, open our minds. That we might behold wonderful things from your word. We pray for our guests. We pray for our visitors, that you would bless them and speak with them through your message today. We thank you for the saints. We pray for those that are not feeling well. We pray for so many that are off on vacations. It's the summer, so be with them and bless them. And be with all the children that aren't here this morning because of the smallpox. We thank you now and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Yeah. Okay, for our guests and visitors, don't be too terrified. It's actually the chicken pox, <laughs> not the smallpox. <clears throat> when something gets in the head, it's hard to get it out. Oh. We're going to talk today about God's love. It was a beautiful song we heard this morning. We're going to examine what God has to say about the church at Ephesus. That was a wonderful church that Paul planted in Ephesus. Surrounded by every worldly desire, every worldly influence that there was. And yet he, against all odds, saved souls and planted a church that was so zealous, so on fire... And had done so many wonderful things for the Lord over the course and the life of that church. However, if you would turn to me, turn with me, excuse me, to the book of Revelations, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We will read 1 through 7. The book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, chapter 2, starting in verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write. This is the Lord instructing the angel. This is the Lord speaking at the moment. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this. To the church at Ephesus, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to the test those who call themselves apostles and are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But this I have against you. That you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen. And repent. And do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you. And will remove your lampstand out of its place. Unless you repent. Yet this is. This you have. That you hate the deeds of the Nickelodeons, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. They lost their first love. How can this happen? How can a church that was so influenced by their Lord that had done so much have this happen to them? We're going to take a look this morning. And as always, when we read the Bible, we read it to hear what's going on in those times, but also for our own good. For the purpose to... Edify us, encourage us, correctify us as necessary. How can we experience the first love, as God called it? First, we must truly come to Christ. We must realize we're sinners. We must truly be broken hearted about our sinful life. We must have genuine remorse and want forgiveness. And are willing to repent from our sins. So many are not. So many find those two statements offensive in the world. We must believe that salvation is only through Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross plus nothing. This is very important. His atoning work at Calvary was enough, is enough. Nothing can alter that. Nothing can help that. Nothing that we do can influence that. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works. Lest anyone should boast. Then we must confess and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Romans 10:9 and 10 If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for with a heart a person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth confesses resulting in salvation once he has forgiven us once We become born again. The most marvelous thing takes place. Immediately, the burden of our sinful life, the burden of our situations and circumstances are released. And there is a taste of freedom. We then receive from God His love. Totally different than our love. His joy, his peace, his grace, his mercy. Which will produce in us the most amazing dedication and devotion to our Savior. This is instantaneous to those who are truly saved. This isn't an option. This happens. Gratitude immediately develops Into a wonderful love and loyalty for our Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, our fellow Christians. We also gain a deep concern, a burden for the lost. Our affections are now set on the Lord Jesus Christ. No longer us, no longer others. First and foremost, we have an affection. We have a love for Jesus Christ. It is not, as you may have seen on television or sometimes radio, some warm, fuzzy feeling, some action that they take. It has nothing to do with any of that. This is a transformation that takes place. Gratitude. It may be something we never discovered or experienced before, but now we have it. We have gratitude. Remember again, the church at Ephesus, when they first started, they had these things. They had them. They had that first love. We gained this incredible love and devotion for him. We can't wait to tell people about what has happened in our lives. We all of a sudden have a concern for not only our friends and family and neighbors. We amazingly have a burden for the unlovable. Those who are so hard to love. And yet we have a burden for them. You might ask yourself, why is this first love so important? Why is it so necessary? Because if a person is in church and has not experienced this first love in their life, then they are simply not born again. There's no two ways about it. They're not born again. Again, it's not a warm, fuzzy feeling. Our spirit and his spirit become one. The Holy Spirit now indwells us. The unsaved, however... They still want to be in charge. They're still in control. They want to be the captain of their ship. And they're far from surrendering their lives to Jesus Christ. There is no first love in their life. There are those who make professions. They come to church. They make professions. But they don't possess eternal life. There was no transaction made. And so they end up many times staying, but end up mimicking the Christian life. And they're not being honest with themselves or with God. They attend church. They read the Bible. They may even tithe. They're very careful of their conversation when they're with the people in the church. But once they leave church, their conversation is totally different. Their lives are totally different. They lead a sinful double life. They have a church life. Then they have their other life. But remember, they've made a choice. Because this profession was just that. It wasn't transformation because they were not honest with God when the time came. It isn't God's fault. God has no responsibility in this. Remember, our God is all-knowing. He's all-seeing. He's ever-present. He knows everything. We can't play any kind of games with him. He sees through it. He knows it. How do we as Christians end up leaving our first love. How does that happen? How to, at one moment, we're having a joyful, thankful relationship with our Lord and Savior, and then how all of a sudden do we drift? Our heart becomes cold. Only one reason. It's not even negotiable. Only one reason. Sin. Sin is the culprit. We're at fault. But remember, we're talking Christians here now. We're not talking the unsaved. We're dealing with our believers. Something or someone has superseded in our life our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. there has become a sinful act on our part in our life. At one time, we thought nothing could ever come between us and our Lord and Savior. Nor should it. But it can. Remember, when the moment we're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell us. We are given His Gifts of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, etc. There is such a transformation, such a glorious transformation that takes place. But when sin comes, when we willfully decide to sin. Well, it was an accident. I didn't mean it. Well, if it was an accident and it didn't mean it, then you confess it and forsake it. But it isn't. Seldom is it that. It's a decision. It's a choice. And then the Holy Spirit is grieved, quenched, defiled, and rebelled against. And all of a sudden, our Christian life, as we know it, becomes quiet. Alone. It gets lonely, doesn't it? But praise be to God that God will act against his children that rebel against him. Oh, he'll give us our will. But things won't go well. Life is not good when the Christian slips away from his Savior and Lord. Life isn't good at all. God will act. Somebody might be thinking, well, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of a gray area sin. You know, did I really sin or did I not sin? Let's let's lay let's be honest with ourselves. There're the obvious sins we all know, pride, lovers of self, arrogant, boastful, lying, unholy, lustful, Immoral behavior in mind and deed. And in today's world, the world preaches, if it's in your mind, it's okay. If you're a married person, it's just okay anything in the mind. In fact, half of the, the world is preaching, go all the way. It's nothing but sin. We can be without self-control, jealous, stealing, hatred, anger, bitterness, unloving, unwilling to forgive, which is such hypocrisy. When the perfect, pure, holy God forgave us, exactly who are we not to forgive others? It's the height of hypocrisy. Covetousness and idolatry. What is that? That's telling God, I want what he or she has. I want that and I want that and I want that. In other words, God, I'm not content. I'm not thankful for what you have given me. That's what it is. say, well, that really wasn't my intent. That's what it is. You're telling God what he gives us is not good enough. Some of the less obvious sins that can happen. Ambition. Ambition can be okay. But ambition can also be out of control. All of these things can be out of control. Acquiring of wealth. I have seen more than once Christians acquire wealth. They not only become cold, it's not the wealth, it's the pride in their life, and they get arrogant. From what? They become ungrateful. They become cold towards the things of God. Prayer, not so much. Reading of his word, here and there. You know, you could be, and the carnal Christians love this word. They love to throw this out there. You're being legalistic. They don't get it. Because they're having to work to read their Bible, to pray. The Christian who's walking with Jesus Christ delights to talk to his Savior and Lord. Delights to open his word and be fed by it and be built up by it. The church meetings become secondary to other things on a consistent basis. Fellow believers, they're okay. The devil would have us believe the world offers more than God does. It's buying into the devil's package. We can become in a state of denial about our conduct. In 1 John 1.8, it says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But how can we regain that first love? How can we experience once again that joy we used to have? That love, that excitement to be in church. The peace that only God can give that surpasses all understanding. It's so simple. It's always been simple. The problem is our will. The problem is relinquishing control. And letting him have it back. And acknowledging. And confessing our sins. So many times. When Christians and non-Christians. Non-Christians coming to the Lord. And Christians returning to the Lord and they're working with someone or seeking help from a pastor like Adel or the head of the ladies' ministries like Sylvia or uh, a mentor. They throw out, to use the old term, a bone. Some lesser sin in their life. And this is my sin. We're not talking details. No one needs to know the details of the sin. But we have to acknowledge the sin or sins. Too many times, the major sin in the life of an unbeliever never gets talked about, never gets confessed, never gets forsaken. They're not honest with God, no conversion, no born again experience, no restoration for the Christian if the Christian is not honest with his or her mentor, church leader. Nothing takes place. Everything has to go on the table. Everything has to be confessed. Everything has to be forsaken. We got to get rid of it. It can't hang around. If it hangs around, is God blind? No. It's got to go. And our own will and the devil would convince us it's worth hanging on to. What a farce. What a lie! Unbelievable. Nothing could be farther from the truth. We simply have to be willing to forgive if that's involved. We have to give up that bitterness. We have to give up that anger. We have to confess the sin. And be honest with God. First John 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The slate is clear. God desires fellowship with us. God desires to give us the best. He says, I came that they might have life. And have it abundantly. That's what he wants for us. Only one thing interferes with that. Mwah. He loves us. He wants to bless us. With your eyes closed and your heads bowed. I want to read one more scripture to you. And then we'll end in prayer. it is in Hebrews 10:22 through 25 Let us draw near with a sincere heart with full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day draw near. Now just take a moment with your eyes closed and your heads bowed. Search yourself. Be open and honest with God. He only wants the best for us. If you've come here and you realize that you've never been born again, there's a wonderful opportunity to have that take place this morning. If you would like somebody to pray with you, to meet with you. Please just take a moment and raise your hand. For the Christians this morning, if you realize you're not where you should be in your relationship with Him, and you want help, you want to return to Him, and you would like me to pray for you, just take a moment and raise your hand. Amen. 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 He has nothing but the best plan for us. There's nothing he doesn't want to give us to bless us here, to be able to use us to reach the lost. Is there anybody else? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you that you are such a great God, that you are such a loving Father. We thank you again, Lord Jesus, for redeeming us, for setting us free from our sins. Visit with those who have acknowledged this morning the need to grow closer again with you to go back to that first love from whence they left. And bless each and every one. And we thank you now in your most precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen.